Here is a box, a musical box, wound up and ready to play. Can you guess what is in it today? Cyprus. Roman mosaics and Phoenician tombs, Byzantine castles and Venetian walls, pine-clad mountains and valleys full of blooms, windswept wild beaches raked by sudden squalls. Vineyards lay across the land like green shawls, an island of custom and tradition. Yet this stunning land lies in partition. Churches to the south and northward mosques lay, a land in need of redefinition. For reconciliation, people pray. Hello and welcome. I'm Bill Lawrence and this is Box 39. And this week the show is not coming from Studio One on the fourth floor of Comrade Towers in the fishing village of Wivenhoe in northeast Essex because we are broadcasting live to you from one of our sister radio stations here on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus and from Studio 3A at Sunshine Funtime FM in Nicosia the beautiful capital city of Cyprus. So in these difficult days of cutbacks and cancelled air flights, you may not be able to get away on a lovely summer holiday, and so we decided to bring the summer holiday to you. In Studio 3B next door is our musicologist Adrian Cohen and we will be joined by guest presenter the Box 39 Mediterranean correspondent Sue Beer for her expert analysis of Cyprus. Adrian and I have travelled the 2,500 miles to be here in the Colm Radio sports car, nearly 50 hours of solid driving. We took the ferry from Dover to Calais in France, then drove eastwards through Belgium, Germany, Austria, to Hungary, then turned south and travelled through Serbia and Bulgaria, then finally last night into Turkey where we crossed the Bosphorus at Istanbul and then travelled on to the very bottom of Turkey. At first light this morning, we took a very full and ancient car ferry across on a journey that was worryingly long, four hours, and covered about 120 miles of nausea-inducing Mediterranean Sea. 
and we washed up on this beautiful island of Cyprus in time for a huge lunch which, quite frankly, my stomach was never going to accept. This afternoon, I lay on my rather cheap hotel room bed and waited patiently for death, whilst Adrian and Sue went to the beach and then on my behalf, and on the behalf of the people of Wivenhoe and listeners of Colm Radio, they were guests of honour at a special dinner to celebrate the twinning of Colm Radio and Sunshine Funtime FM. Whilst I lay alone, uncared for, in a state of hallucinating paralysis and apparently no longer necessary to the proceedings nor worthy of even five minutes of a doctor's time. Adrian and Sue were presented with honorary degrees from the Media Studies Faculty at Nicosia University as well as being granted the freedom of the Western Dock area of the city and a whole basketful each of complimentary Sunshine Funtime FM merch. I've seen several hoodies, baseball caps, mugs, even a tote bag. And apparently, according to Adrian, because I'd sworn at the hotel receptionist and appeared a bit unsteady on arrival in the foyer, the management assumed I was intoxicated and therefore to comply with international radio studio laws, my name's been removed as an official representative of Colm Radio from all events over the next three days until our journey home. Though, I expect I will still be doing 90% of all the driving like I did on the way here. You know, it wasn't Adrian who drove right through the Alps and right through the night. Oh no, he had a doctor's note that said he wasn't allowed any night driving as it can give him a bit of a headache sometimes. And you know, it wasn't Adrian who lay by the side of the road on the A3 autobahn near Frankfurt on that first cold misty night, changing the flat tyre because he had a note from the Colm Radio HR manager explaining that he can get a chill quite easily and that can affect his on-air voice quality beyond all reasonable insurance cover levels. And, of course, I am still presenting this show, even though I've not had any sleep for over 24 hours. The only food I've eaten was a cheap kebab that Adrian got from his taxi driver's brother. That is, of course, professionalism, something that Adrian can't acquire like he's managed to obtain in an all-expenses day trip to the Nicosia Golden Sands Casino and Water Park tomorrow, using the Cone Radio Overseas Emergency Budget, which has been passed and agreed by Lord David Price himself, entirely at Wivenhoe residence expense. Adrian may have fun, sunshine, medals, gorgeous foods and the admiration and love of all the fans of Sunshine Funtime FM. But I know how to change the tyre on a 1978 MG Midget sports car in the dark. And that, ladies and gentlemen, speaks volumes. And so it's time to bring you this unique radio experience as we explore this beautiful island in the Mediterranean sunshine because it's now time to open Box 39 once more to investigate Cyprus. Something that you know 
didn't have no particular place to go. Just when I think I'm winning, when I've broken every door, the ghosts of my life the wilder than before. Just when I thought I could not be stopped, when my chance came to begin, the ghosts of my life the wilder than Cyprus has been an extraordinarily fertile stomping ground for brilliant uncelebrated philosophers who have remained largely ignored on account of them being women in a field that has long been dominated by men, especially in the patriarchal intellectual circles of Cyprus. Aphrodite Papadopoulos was a female anthropologist and philosopher who lived in Lachi, a beautiful beach resort on the west coast of Cyprus in the mid-20th century. She came into contact with many tourists, most of them Westerners. She noted the characteristics that they attributed to each other. The English don't Q-jump, Americans are individualists, French make the best bread, Israelis are the best soldiers, Italians are romantic, the Welsh are poetic, Greeks love being the cradle of democracy, the Swiss are hard-working, the Spanish are tough, the Russians are courageous, the Germans are efficient, the Swedes are fair, and the Canadians are nice. Papadopoulos noted that these stereotypes were largely untrue, and this became the basis for her remarkable philosophical book called The Bromides of Benign Xenophobia, published in 1972. This is Box 39, coming live from the studios of Sunshine Funtime FM, in Nicosia, on the beautiful Mediterranean island of Cyprus. With our guest presenter, and Cyprus expert, Sue Beer. Listening to Box 39 live from Nicosia on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus with me, Bill Lawrence, Adrian in the Musicology Library, and with my guest co-presenter this week, Sue Beer. Sue is a businesswoman, writer, and traveller who spends several months every year on Cyprus where she maintains her business empire whilst at the same time avoiding the cold and damp British winters and enjoying all the wonderful benefits that Cyprus provides. Thank you, Bill, for having me here. So, Sue, tell us about the music tonight that we'll be listening to. Well, all the music tonight features Cypriot artists or artists with a very strong connection to this beautiful island of Cyprus. We're going to start with Japan, Ghosts. The basis for the art rock new wave band Japan was Andonis Michelades, better known as Mick Khan. 
He was an English Cypriot musician. His distinctive fretless bass guitar sound and melodic playing style were a trademark of the band's sound. So, Sue, how long have you been coming here to Cyprus? Well, I've been visiting Cyprus since about 1997. Uh, we did actually live here for a year. That's uh, myself and my ex-husband. And uh, more recently, I've spent six months of the past year, or thereabouts, back on the island. Now, can you give us a brief bluffer's guide to Cyprus? Well, I can try. Uh, it's ch- certainly changed a lot since I, I first started coming over here in the 90s. I suppose I could probably best tell you about the uh, the geography itself. Um, it's, it's a very small island. It's about the size of Wales. It's um, out in the Mediterranean, 40 miles south of Turkey, which is kind of equivalent to London to Chelmsford. It's 60 miles west of Syria, which uh, may account for why there are quite a lot of Syrian refugees there um, that have been arriving over the past year or two. And it's 480 miles southeast of mainland Greece. So a lot closer to Turkey than it is to Greece. How easy is it to get around the island? You can drive it, um, well, east to west in about two and a half hours since they put the motorway in. And it's about mm, an hour up or an hour and a half up to uh, the capital, Nicosia, from um, the the south of the island on the coast. And it's the third largest Mediterranean island after Sicily and Sardinia. So there's uh, plenty going on there with a population of 1.4 million across the whole island, which includes, of course, the, uh, the side which is um, the Turkish side, um, not recognised by the rest of Europe, but uh, it's there nevertheless, and um, Nicosia is its divided capital. Why is Cyprus so special for you? Well, it's special because it's always been so accommodating to uh, Brits really I think Um, it's a very very easy island to live on or just to holiday on you can drive on the left they all speak English or most most people there speak English and they want to speak English you know they're very very welcoming people tell us about the music that you'd find on Cyprus well (laughs) The music is kind of divides people. Um, there's there's the whole wedding music side of things um, with the big family celebrations, with the you know the the balalaika, the, the bazooki evenings that they have, um, lots of Greek dancing, plate smashing, you know, all the, the traditional Greek music. Um, which, I don't know, nowadays, a lot of the Cypriot people, they, they would say, turn this rubbish off if it comes on the radio. Um, they've really grasped the more the, the Euro style of music um, over there. And funnily enough, their Eurovision songs are quite popular with, with um, voters right across Europe. But then again, that could just be because they're really good looking guys fronting the bands each time. Um, they did quite well when I was over there in 2002, 2003, um, and I wouldn't. It's not something I would ever normally want to watch. Um, it was pretty much the only thing to watch on TV back then. There were there was no uh, Sky or very certainly not where I was living. Uh, very little in the way of any English programming too. So 
tonight, mostly the songs of Cyprus will be the ones that are relating to tourism. And I think we really should begin with Sweet Caroline. Um, long before the UK's women's footy came on the scene, everybody was singing it there. It was a big karaoke number. You know, you could walk past any bar any evening and you would hear the tourists singing Sweet Caroline. Georgiou was a political philosopher at the University of Cyprus in Nicosia in the 1990s. She wrote Private Pessimism versus Public Optimism, published in 1999. She argued that while optimism was the public tool of scoundrels and ideologues, pessimism acted as a safety blanket against the crushed hopes of the masses. The only dangerous pessimists, she observed, are the ones who have power, who are optimistic about themselves and pessimistic about those they govern. These scoundrels can be identified by their tendency to go on constantly about solving problems, finding solutions, creating prosperity and ending crime. Yet the more optimistic their rhetoric, the more pessimistic their real actions. Elites who are optimistic about themselves and pessimistic about the governed are ready to be discarded, she wrote. The male powers that be at the University of Cyprus, thinking her book was taking aim at them and their patriarchal power structure at the university, fired Miss Georgiou, who was last seen running a cafe and bar on Karakum Beach, north of Nicosia. Listening to Box 39, live from Nicosia on the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. So, uh, tell us a little bit about the geography of Cyprus, Sue. The geography of Cyprus is uh, it's quite stunning, actually. There are 
it, there are a lot of people who um, go over there, geologists who who um, go over there and study it and give talks about it and so on. But um, although I've never been to one of these talks, I can probably only tell you in layman's terms that it is quite mountainous. Uh, there's the Trodos Mountains mountain range which um, split divides it um, and it is lined with pine trees, olive groves, orange trees, lemons, you name it, it it's absolutely beautiful over there, cypress, cedar forests, um, just gorgeous. And what are the main cities of Cyprus? Cyprus is divided into six areas um, the main cities are uh, Nicosia, Limassol, Famagusta and Paphos and uh, Nicosia of course being the capital and that's the divided city where you have the Turks in the north and the, uh, the Greek Cypriots in the south divided by a green line which is metaphorical um, but uh, heavily guarded. So what is this conflict that exists on the island? Well, the conflict is about when the Turks invaded just um, completely um, out of the blue in 1974. And, well, Cyprus, you know, as you know, having a very small population, couldn't cope with the invasion and were basically overruled. And the top of the island was held onto by the Turkish Cypriot minority. Although the Brits have been over there since the Second World War, um, they did actually, Cyprus did become independent of Britain in 1960, so there was very little support that uh, anyone was able to give them on the ground at that time. And it's remained um, a divided island even to this day. Do the Turkish Cypriots and Greek Cypriots uh, mix at all? Mm, they don't mix at all. Um, well, I don't know how if things have improved over the last five, ten years, but um, you know, it, they're really not welcome um, in the uh, in the Cypriot bars in, on the Greek side. I dare say it's probably the same in the north. But you are you are not you. The the Greek Cypriots are deterred anyway from going to the north. Um, because your car insurance is invalid if you drive over that line. Um, they don't even want to go there. You know, they, why should they give their money to invaders, basically? You know, that is the general kind of feel for things. Um, that said, you can go over there and buy things fairly, you know, comparatively cheaply in the stores in Nicosia. So uh, I wouldn't be... This is conjecture. I wouldn't be surprised if there's a fair bit of uh, purchasing of trainers and um, jackets and so on um, at a fairly, you know, cheaper rate over there. A little, little bit of black market economy going on there. I, I would suspect. So Cyprus is very small. It's very compact. Uh, is it somewhere that you like to drive around? Well, um, driving is very easy because it's on the left. Um, but you do have to have a good deal of awareness, probably more than you would anywhere else, um, because if you are driving on um, tourist plates, 
which used to be a Z, now they're red. Um, <laughs> you're a bit of a, a target, really. <laughs> they will come at you um, and, and get very impatient with you. I have noticed a real difference between driving on a on a plate um, to drive driving an ordinary uh, family car in Cyprus. They're all a bit crazy on the roads anyway. Uh, you, If you went for a driving test, chances are, as a Cypriot, um, you would probably know the person who is examining you. And uh, you, you would just be issued it, really, without much of a, a test anyway. It's just very well known that... Uh, whatever, who, it's a case of who you know over there, really. Um, and even now they're trying to address this issue among themselves uh, in the police force the last time i was over there i was pulled in by what were known as the black shirts from limassol they were checking everybody's driving licenses and you know just general see if you're drunk or not behind the wheel because there's a lot of that that goes on over there although even the police themselves get drunk and they actually crashed into a house in um in Limassol at two in the morning, <laughs> totally drunk. Um, and they've uh, moved. What they do is they do they swap because of nepotism. Um, they they swap the police forces. So so the night I was pulled in by the Limassol black shirts, I was actually in Paphos, and the Paphos contingent were over in Limassol. So uh, just trying to sort of. Uh, crack down on nepotism and and the general mayhem that goes on in, on the roads you know there's a lot of um very bad driving very bad which doesn't help when the roads are quite potholed as well so now let's listen to a poem often referred to as one of the most important of its type ever to have been written. This was written by Ernesta Mallory, the niece of Wivenhoe legendary poet Ernest Mallory. She wrote this in 1960 after Cyprus gained its independence from Britain. This is Ode to Cyprus, Hooray for Empire by Ernesta Mallory. That joyous day in 1914, King George V and his consort Queen had Asquith supply his military plan, and Britain's flag flew atop Cyprus's land. Thank goodness the Russians had vanquished the Turks, and the Germans in Belgium had suddenly lurked. Noble Britain declared declarations of war. And the jewel of Cyprus was Ottoman no more. So the next piece of music is by Black Anis. Was it Anis? <laughs> 
a five-piece retro pop rock band based in Cyprus, formed on January 2nd, 2016. One of the best-selling and most popular Cypriot musical groups. Economist and philosopher Katerina Vassiliou was asking a lot of tough questions about the meaning of progress in the 1950s when Cyprus was under British rule. Progress is evoked as a moral necessity, but what progress are people referring to? The progress of the species mankind itself? In which domains? Physical? Mental? Ethical? Are Cypriots as capable of hard physical labour as the 18th century peasants on the island? We live longer, but that is not a change in the species itself. Our civilization knows more than mankind has ever known, yet it would be difficult to argue that the brain itself has progressed. As for ethical progress, it would take a remarkable imagination to prove the case when, in the middle of the most violent century in history, European middle-class governments were bemoaning support systems for the supposedly undeserving poor and their children who relied on food stamps, food banks and soup kitchens. On seeing her academic paper, the British authorities denounced Katerina Vassiliou as a communist and alleged lesbian in 1952, and she fled to Greece. From the island of Cyprus, you're listening to the wonderful Sunshine Funtime FM. And this is Box 39, with award-winning presenters Sue Beer and Adrian Cohen. And with Bill Lawrence, too. This is All About Cyprus. So, Sue, what's life like here in Cyprus? Well, the people do love a good party, has to be said. Um, and quite often, because there are so... Oh, and lots of bank holidays, because there are so many religious holidays and 
holidays for independence and so on there there are always barbecue parties um, on the go and um, Easter's the biggest I would say with the uh, the Orthodox Christian celebration they have the uh, 40 days of Lent which culminates in the well the island just goes party mad really um, they eat as much roast meat as they can and without fail every year they are advised reminded don't go to the hospital after Easter because you are just constipated <laughs> the Archbishop reminds them year in year out don't overdo and don't think you're dying you're just eating too much meat so that's one side of their celebration the other side is the fireworks which it seems anybody from the age of 10 is allowed to purchase and throw at each other mum dad granny tourists in the church outside the church there are fireworks just cascading and bouncing off of walls cars you name it absolute mayhem this year i watched um the celebrations let's say from my apartment balcony and there was a a, a field and just an unused field all the, the locals um converged upon having driven up and down the hill tooting screeching tires the black marks on on the roads were there you know for a day or two afterwards and then I don't know what happened, but they, they, were, they were drinking a bit, I think. And it was like early afternoon. And it was very noisy, just tooting and just so much noise. And then suddenly it went really quiet. And I looked out again and they'd all moved on. But the field was on fire. <laughs> but within minutes, the fire engine was there. So they must have been expecting it. <laughs> And they'd put the fire out, but it was quite a blaze. <laughs> so, but that's the way they are. They, 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 they have fun, and they don't. They just don't care. At the end of the day. About three minutes past six, four minutes past six, and the first of the Turkish troops have landed in Cyprus. About five of these aircraft passed over in the last five minutes. They were guided in by jet fighters, and the very first paratroopers are now hitting Cyprus soil. The aircraft came in waves at five minute intervals with 60 paratroopers for each aircraft. Their dropping zone was less than two miles from the capital of Nicosia. We waited for the Greek-controlled National Guard to begin firing on them with artillery, but nothing happened. They, like us perhaps, could just not believe it was happening. These first invaders had all landed close together, about 600 men, and within minutes they were on their way, close to the town of Gonyeli. They were carrying light weapons, they had no small artillery, which, as we discovered later, they were to need when the Greeks began shelling them. Within an hour of the parachute landing, the first of the Turkish jet fighters began settling overhead. 
Troop casualties during the landing were not high, but with the shelling, they began to mount. Then shortly before three in the afternoon, we heard the noise of helicopters. And again, coming in low over the mountains from the north, from Turkey, we saw them. I love to polish my box, my special box, my box 39. Stephen Dimitri Giorgio was born in 1948 in London to a Cypriot father and a Swedish mother. We would better know him as Cat Stevens. In 2022, he said the life of a Cypriot citizen could be improved if their big brothers, Greece and Turkey, stopped fighting each other. So this is Cat Stevens with Take the World Apart. I'll take the world apart To find a place for a peaceful heart I know I've got to find it Although I break down the walls of China I shake the world around Until my little mellow home is found I look till I find my beauty I would jump right over Mount Fuji I'll cross the ocean wide If I knew it's on the other side I'll find some boat to sail in Or might have to swim all the way Philosopher Jasmine Christoffi, a resident of Limassol when the British occupied Cyprus in 1914, wrote a book called The Male Subversion of Memory that was almost published in Cyprus in 1922. She argued that memory is a practical quality which allows us to weigh what has already been done against what might be done now, making it a key to responsible action. Those in power, however, have slowly reduced memory to romanticism, which is a fantasized version of the past. Unpleasant events and personal or national failures are erased, while comforts and successes are exaggerated. Such romanticism is intended to energize false hopes. Doing this denies the relevance of memory and justifies the amnesia of ideology. Furthermore, men, rather than women, are more inclined to distort historical narratives. Genuine memory is central to the idea of a female-led humanist equilibrium, she wrote. Therefore, responsible memory is despised by the sophisticated structures of male-dominated power, which delight in the utility of romanticism. Not one of the male-owned publishing companies in Nicosia was willing to publish Ms. Christoffi's book. Do, 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 do. 
tell us something about the economy of Cyprus. Uh, the major crops um, include grapes, deciduous fruits, potatoes, cereal grains, vegetables, olives and carobs, um, and honey. But um, they probably aren't really what's bolstering, bolstering the economy, I would, I would say. Um, it's things like being able to buy a passport, if you're Chinese, I, I have heard. Um, <laughs> or Russian uh, but I think that was until fairly recently they've actually since the Ukrainian war um, they haven't been allowing Russians to uh, come come and leave the island as often as they used to and I don't think they're really encouraging them to to uh, live there long term now or to buy or to have um, Cypriot passports. Yeah, what are the big pressures on the main industries in Cyprus today? Well, a lot of the once beautiful pine forests have been cleared now uh, for building. It's a big thing over there. Every, you know, cement, concrete, that, that's, that's a massive, um, probably a massive trade over there. There are a lot of conservation projects who, that are really battling keep areas like the Akamas uh, pristine but um, the government are giving out a lot of uh, permits for new buildings all along the coastline you know the, the once beautiful views are just now being marred by glass buildings really um, you know obviously they're having the beautiful view from their living room but uh, it's certainly a blot on the landscape said there are a lot of pressure groups over there trying to look after the turtles, butterflies, bats, birds, you know, all these things that are under threat with the deforestation. And how important is fishing? Fishing, well, the Mediterranean is fished out. Everything is imported at a very high cost. Fish, prawns, lobster, crab, you'll find them not very frequently on menus. And if you do, the chances are the fish is frozen. But if you go to places like Lachi and Polis, which are you know still lovely little fishing villages, they they will have catch of the day there. There are several, not a whole lot, several fish restaurants there, still professing to sell fresh fish. And how important is tourism? Tourism is paramount. They just depend on it. You know the restaurants are numerous. There are clubs, the bazooki clubs, car hire, everything that comes with tourists. I would say it's a very reasonable place to go and have a holiday. Is this day, 1960, when shedding all colonies has become so trendy? Uppity Cyprus, with its olives and beaches, is biting the very hand that selflessly feeds it. 1960 was a terrible year. First we lost Somaliland, and then Nigeria. What about Elizabeth too, and her imperial glue? Because now her rule is unglued, and we've lost Cyprus too.
wonderful thing about the Cypriots is that they're very trusting and very open and friendly. Um, I remember going into a supermarket asking for if, if there was anywhere in the village where my husband could photocopy his passport and um, a voice piped up with, well, no, but uh, there's a photocopier in the bank. The Bank of Cyprus. And we were like, well, okay, this is Saturday morning. Well, you know, do we wait till Monday? And she's, the woman said, no, um, I'm the cleaner there. I've got the keys in my pocket. So she unlocked the bank. <laughs> in we went and we got our photocopy. So, <laughs> you know, one stranger will do such a fantastic favour to another and also, I think I just love the idea of somebody walking around with the bank's keys in their pockets. <laughs> so, Sue, tell us about our next piece of music linked to Cyprus. Tulisa Kontostavalos is an English singer, songwriter, television personality and actress. As a part of the R&B hip-hop group Endubs with her cousin Dappy and friend Phaser, they gained two platinum certified albums, two gold certified albums, 13 top 40 singles, six silver certified singles, and three urban music awards. Thinker and writer Marika Xenophontos, born in Larnaca, a port city on the south coast of Cyprus, famous for its popular Finikubis beach, cleverly laid out her philosophical ideas on the matter of sex and politics in a somewhat controversial novel called Happy Families, published in 1985. Two rival politicians and their families spend a week together at Finikui Beach in the hope of solving their deep differences over policies. It is a story of public service, infidelity and sexual hypocrisy, which reads both as a tale of sun cream and shagging and a philosophical allegory. Nothing in history indicates that monogamous married leaders have been wiser, more humane, courageous, effective or intelligent any more than sexual moderation or fidelity in themselves have led to good government. 
The list of happily married liars, thieves, cowards and monsters in public office is as long as the list of admirable drunkards and humane philanderers. Xenophontos' novel is on the reading list of the Department of Politics at the University of Cyprus. The next piece of music is by Peter Andre. He's an English-born Australian singer and television personality with Cypriot parents. He's appeared in numerous celebrity TV shows and has several number one UK chart hits. And I actually saw his brother, Chris Andre, performing in Cyprus because he lives there and he sings to tourists on a regular basis. Eleftheria Theophanus wrote a visionary book called Regret and the Return of the Condom in 1971, which successfully predicted 30 years into the future in the wake of the development of the birth control pill in the 1960s. It would produce a 25-year-long holiday from reality, she argued. For the first time in history, sex had no consequences. Some feminists would argue that the pill would give women control and they'd no longer have to berate men to take precautions, while others replied that it reflected a male desire for convenience. Then a rising tide of new venereal diseases would eventually appear, she predicted. Suddenly, like a ghost from the past, the condom would return. The 60s generation would end up living with regret, some over the good times lost forever, but most because they didn't take advantage of a once-in-an-eternity opportunity. Male corporate managers of the Cypriot subsidiary of a U.S. pharmaceutical conglomerate bought Eleftheria Thinophanes' book from her in 1971 and locked it in a safe.
have been listening to Box 39 with our special show coming live from the studios of Sunshine Funtime FM here in Nicosia, the capital of the Mediterranean island of Cyprus. Bill, can you read some of the texts we have received during this show? Yeah, thanks, Sue. This first text is from uh, D.W. Anonymous in uh, what is described as the Lexton area of Colchester. Uh, D.W. says, I was stationed in the British garrison on Cyprus for nearly 10 years in the 1990s, and in that time I ate a lot of the best food in the world, including, of course, the famous Cyprus potatoes, with their rich, earthy and buttery flavour. They're famous uh, for their light brown to tan skin, covered in dark brown spots with a slightly red appearance. Their flesh is firm, slippery and dense. And D.W. says it's no surprise that we called, therefore, our Sergeant Major Spud, um, even though his name was Robert Soper. Of course, we never said it to his face, and we always maintained that he never found out. But literally, everyone called him Spud, uh, Spudface, or Mr. Potato Head, even Chip Fat Face. And always behind his back, he really was one of the ugliest men who ever wore a British Army uniform. Hideous, says DW. I mean, really shocking. Anyway, an ability to maintain secrecy, to keep confidentiality, to not reveal details that could compromise uh, a situation is an essential requirement for any member of the armed forces. So I won't reveal, says DW, any of details of the work I did for the 235 Sigil Squadron based in the Acriotti Sovereign Base area in Cyprus, intercepting secret coded messages from the Turkish north of the island. My lips are sealed. Mum's the word. And that's from DW, which actually stands for Danny Woods, who was Lance Corporal Daniel Woods, 235 Signal Squadron, 1991 to 2001, and now lives at number one Linton Crescent, which I think is the very first road onto that new estate just off the Lexton Road, where the old maternity hospital used to be. Number one, uh, I think must be that converted Porter's Lodge, beautifully converted with the, uh, it's got that original front door still, hasn't it? All dark blue with Colchester Maternity Hospital etched into the brickwork above the door. And he says he's written this, listening to the show, in his favourite pub, the Hospital Arms on Lexton Road, where you'll always find him in the corner of the Snug Bar almost every evening from 8 o'clock. He says he still wears his service medals for his time in Cyprus on his favourite black jacket, which he wears wherever he goes. And even though he is now bald and wears John Lennon-style gold frame glasses, he still feels as fit as he did when he used to laugh behind old spudface Sergeant Roper's back about his incredibly and hideously misshapen potato-style features. So from that old soldier whose non-anonymity we're proud to maintain to someone we know all about, regular listener Mango Dread from Shrub End in Colchester. And Mango says, uh, Apparently Cyprus was once a gift from Roman General Mark Antony to the Queen of Egypt, Cleopatra. What a wonderfully romantic gesture, says Mango. I wish there was more romance in the world. Occasionally there's a bit of snogging when I'm on lates driving the S1 bus in Colchester, but the world seems so unromantic these days. Very true, Mango. And he says, We can learn a lot from history, and I recommend the documentary series I learnt this fact from, the Carry On documentaries. This one is called Carry On Cleo and gets repeated quite often. Keep an eye open. Peace and love, Mango. Well, Mango, I'm not sure if they're documentaries, actually. Anyway, 
lastly, a text from Johnny Jackson from Jaywick. He says, I'm a regular visitor to Cyprus and recommend that when you finish your broadcast in Nicosia, you have a drink and a meal at the Blue Orchid Bar in Stavanopolis Street, which is right next to the studios you're broadcasting from, and next to Lola's Adult All Night Bar and Halloumi Grill. Cyprus is home to around 20 rare species of orchids, says Johnny. And if you wanted to see one of these wildflowers, the best time to visit is in the spring. Make sure you look around hillsides and wooded areas to find them. They're beautiful, as is Lola who runs the bar next door to the Blue Orchid. Uh, although Lola and all the mysterious girls and boys who work there may just surprise you should you get to know them well over the course of a few late-night rounds of drinks. Just mention my name to Lola and you'll get 25% off everything you try for the first time. Oh, thank you very much, Jolly. Just making a note of that. So this has been our unique Box 39 exploration of the most beautiful island of Cyprus. And thank you to our hosts here in Studio 3A at Sunshine Funtime FM in Nicosia. I shall be driving back to the UK in the Colm Radio Sports Car on my own, as Adrian has apparently been offered a month-long DJ residency in Lola's Bar next door. And just time for a very late text from ex-Sergeant Major Robert Soper, DSC, Order of the George Medal for Bravery. Uh, and he says, uh, I'm ex-Army, I served in Cyprus, I live in Colchester, I run a very successful personal fitness mixed martial arts and gardening club in central Colchester. And uh, he says he's on his way to see Danny Woods right now. Danny Woods, that was the name of our first texter, the one who had a sergeant major in Cyprus, who's one was one hell of an ugly fella, apparently. Anyway, it's very pleasing to think that our show about Cyprus has brought these two friends back together. Very pleasing indeed, anyway. Uh, just read on, and the text says, oh, the text says he's off to Danny's house right now to rip Danny's head off with his bare hands. Ah, oh, well, there seems to be some issues there. Clearly a bit of a hot potato, that one. I mean, um, someone with a chip on their shoulder. No, not a chip, not a potato chip, a turnip chip. Someone with a turnip chip, not a potato. No one looks like a potato. Uh, maybe maybe you actually look like a turnip, which is much better than looking like a, a spud. Anyway, this has been Box 39, the magazine of music, community, humour and chat, live from Studio 3A here at... Uh, uh, Sunshine Funtime FM. Thank you to Sue Beer, our expert on Cyprus, and I've been Bill Lawrence. So, from high up here, looking over the fertile lands of Nicosia, it's time for us to close Box 39 once more. Be seeing you. Be seeing you.
Box 39 is a Guppy production for Colne Radio and is committed to a varied, equitable and truly inclusive output that properly reflects the ethnic diversity of our community audience. 